This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. The podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Team Stripes podcast. You're listening to episode number 38. On this episode, we talk with a well-known media personality named Sean McIndoe. Now, you might uh, recognize Sean by his media handle, or his social media handle, I should say, which is Down Goes Brown. So we actually talked to him because he's got a new book out called The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. And among a few things, we talk about some cool stories about NHL referees, his take on the rules today, and how we can improve officiating uh, through the lens of modern media. So it was an awesome interview, and we lead it off by asking him about his book. Hope you enjoy. Anyone know when you were writing this book, did any stories come up with uh, officials you know, in, in the history of the NHL? Uh, yeah, for sure. There, there were uh, more than more than a few. Uh, some good, some not so good. Uh, a lot of the ones that you would you would probably expect. I mean, there, there's a uh, uh, a fair amount of time spent on the the infamous Yellow Sunday with the uh, replacement officials skating around in their raincoats uh, after uh, after the walkout over Jim Schoenfeld and the Devils. And uh, there is stuff on some of the uh, the early days and and the very. Uh, uh, strange rules that uh, found their way into that early rule book. Uh, I would say probably my favorite story in the book uh, when it comes to officials is the uh, the story of Rule thirty one eleven and and Rule thirty one eleven is uh, it's it's one of those great old rules that is still to this day in the rule book even though it's it's probably not needed and I kind of love that I love looking through sports rule books because. We always hear about new rules being added, uh, but you never really hear about old rules being taken out, and and that's because that doesn't happen. Like you can tell as you're reading through these books that, that some of these rules are just artifacts of a, a long, long time ago, uh, and would never really come into play. But nobody ever goes in and cleans it up and, and takes them out. And uh, Rule Thirty One Eleven it probably falls into that category. This is the rule that explains what happens when the referees or the linesmen don't show up. For an NHL game, and and what what do you do if you're sitting there and the players are ready to go, but there's no officials or or there aren't enough officials, and it, and it kind of goes down a checklist of what you would expect. First option, obviously, is you look around, you see, are there any other NHL officials that that are there or that are available nearby, and if so, you just go and you get them to do it. And if, if not, is there uh, are there officials? Who have experience at a high level of hockey, maybe not in the NHL, but but they would be qualified to to do this for for at least one game. Uh, and you go on down the list, and the last item on the list is that if if there's just nobody there uh, who who's qualified to officiate this game, the players have to do it. That you literally pick players from the team and they officiate their own game. And it's it's the kind of weird sort of fun rule that that like I say, it's still in the rule book to this day. And and you probably hear about it, and you would assume. Uh, that it never actually happened. It would never actually come into play, certainly not in the modern era of the NHL, but it actually did. It's been used once and only once in the history of the NHL, and that was in 1983. There's a big snowstorm, uh, a game between the Whalers and the Devils, uh, it, you know, went on as scheduled, 
building mostly empty because nobody could make it out there, but the players were there, so they went ahead and played the game. But only only one linesman was able to show up, and so this linesman, once once it becomes clear uh, that the referee and the other linesmen are not going to make it on time, uh, you know, this is obviously in the days before cell phones and before it was easy to to, to get in contact with the league and, and figure something out. So this linesman invokes rules thirty one eleven, only time in NHL history, and goes to the teams and says. You each got to give me one player. I'll referee the game. Each one of you is going to give me one player, and they're going to be the linesmen. And, and that actually ended up happening in a regular season game. Counted, mattered in the standings. Uh, the only time in NHL history that players ended up officiating their own game uh, for about a period before the the ref and the linesman finally did make it there through the snowstorm and the game resumed as normal. And you know, ultimately, it was it was one period, not a big deal. Didn't change the history of the league, but just one of those fun weird stories involving uh, officials and involving the rule book that uh, I think a lot of fans uh, have probably never heard of. And it's it's amazing that the linesmen would even know that rule because coming from somebody who's who's refereed those high levels of hockey, it's a you know, we, we know I guess sort of the, the fundamental rules, but sort of these 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 sort of miscellaneous, you know, page nine hundred and forty three of the rule book, it's amazing he was able to actually invoke that in the first place and know that was a scenario. Uh, and it's odd. You can, you can almost kind of, <laughs> yeah. you can almost picture him kind of flipping through the rule book, going, you know, when he realized what was going on, going, what the hell do I do now? And just flipping through, going, okay, can't do that, can't do that, can't. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta go to these teams, and I, I'm sure the, I'm sure the teams were uh, were shocked as well when they found out that they were going to be. Uh, we've all we've all done it out in the uh, out in the driveway or on the uh, on the local <laughs> rink. Uh, you you call, call your own penalties, and in this case, it was call your own icings and offsides. And then one of the great quotes in the book from one of the players is talking about how he was just wishing that there was going to be a fight that he could jump in and break <laughs> up a fight in the NHL, and it and it never happened. But one of them did get to throw future Hall of Famer Ron Francis out of a faceoff. So that was uh, uh, that that was striking a blow, at least for for all the wannabe uh, officials out there. And if, so your coach comes in, or the linesman comes in, and you're playing in the NHL, and he tells you you have to go officiate this game. I mean, is that an insult, or is that sort of a cool little story you got to tell? Well, that's that's it. I mean, it was it was the players from each team that were chosen were guys that weren't playing that night. They were pulling guys out of the press box, and uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was probably a cool experience. And in fact, one of the guys. Uh, who who did it ended up after he retired going into officiating and and becoming uh, uh, you know an official at a at a high level so you know that's that's kind of a little neat epilogue on the story and it just seems like there must be something in that water in New Jersey there because you you talked about the yellow jersey game I believe that was in that was in Jersey it, as well it was and I mean that was the the closest that we've come since to to maybe seeing that rule invoked because you had a situation where. The officials were there, but refusing to work, and and you weren't going to get any other uh, NHL officials to to work the game under those circumstances. And as it turned out, they had three reasonably qualified officials. I mean, it's 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 sort of become part of that the the, the lore of that story that these the, the three officials that they did throw out there um, were these you know kind of bumbling amateurs, but they actually did a pretty good job. I mean, that that's kind of forgotten part of that story is that the game for the most part went off without a hitch. We've all seen the clip. Of the two guys in the raincoats, you know, going around the ice and almost bumping into each other and wiping out during the warm-up, but they actually did a reasonably good job. And uh, considering how much of a disaster that that whole situation could have turned into, uh, I think uh, I think it actually went about as well as it could have. 
And I wanted to ask your opinion, Sean, because certainly you're somebody that has a, a very good feel for sort of the history of the game and, and how things have progressed. And one thing we look at and we talk about as officials is that a lot of the time, you know, uh, we, we think that, you know, the, the role of the official has changed and sort of the exposure of the official has changed. I mean, certainly we look back even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the, the, the Carrie Frazier era where, you know, you had a personality like like Carrie who was doing a game, you know, you knew what that game was going to be about there. You could build up a little hype around him officiating. But now it seems we, we lose a little bit of that personality. You know, now it's the the numbers on the back. I mean, for you, like, have you seen any sort of progression in, in the history of the game in terms of sort of the exposure and maybe the personality of the officials? Yeah, I mean, that, it's, uh, that is what you describe has absolutely happened. I mean, I, I remember, you know, as a kid growing up in the 80s, I mean, I, it, it felt like there were like four different referees, and you just got one of those four every night. And, uh, you know, that some of that has been intentional. Obviously, taking the names off the, uh, off the uniforms uh, was an intentional step towards trying to uh, depersonalize the refs a little bit. I think just the fact that we moved into the era of helmets, you know, that that's part of it. I mean, Kerry Fraser with a helmet is not as distinctive as without. And, you know, some of these, I remember Denny Morell, the, uh, you know, skating around with the uh, the nicely coiffed uh, hairdo. Uh, you know, that that's part of the personality. And then I also think the fact that you know, we are now in a 31, soon to be 32 team league with two referees every night, there's just so many more of these guys that, you know, I, uh, I mean, I was half joking when I said it felt like there were only four, but there weren't that many more because you didn't, you didn't need that many in a 21-team league. Uh, you have a maximum of 10 games every night. That's 10 refs out there now. I mean, there's, there's nights where there might be 30 refs working, so uh, it, it kind of makes it hard to keep track. And, you know, thank God for good old Wes McCauley. At least we got one guy <laughs> every now and then a few times a season lets just a little tiny bit of personality leak out. Yeah. And you talked about sort of how the, the rules have changed, you know, and there's been certain occasions where something will happen. And like you said, there's relics of the game that are still around. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, do you like the way the rules are, are I guess, in place in the NHL nowadays? Is there, is there, is there things that you would change uh, looking at how the rules are, are in place now? You know, as, as far as what, the, as what the officials are being asked to call, uh, you know the rule book in, in in terms of what's a penalty and what's not. I I, I think it's it's reasonably good. Uh, you know, obviously, you know we all spend so much time beating up the league and the refs and the Department of Player Safety and and over you know, some of the dangerous plays and, and and some of the stuff that we wish was called different. And and that's fine. That's part of being a fan, and that's uh, that's part of what we do. But there is a part of me that understands, and and I you know I wish other people maybe understood and remembered that a lot of these really are close calls. You know, even, I mean, we saw last night Evgeny Malkin with the, uh, uh, you know, getting getting the five in the game on what some people see as a dirty hit. Some people see as him just bracing himself for contact that somebody else is initiating. You know, a lot of this stuff is, is really borderline. I, I, you know, if, if, if and when the day comes that I'm made commissioner, uh, I got a whole lot of changes I'm going to make to this league. I don't think a ton of them are going to be around the rule book as far as what's a penalty and what's not. You know, I, I don't think we're quite perfect there, but I think it's pretty good. And I think when you looked at uh, certainly a lot of the safety-based rules that have been added over the the, uh, the last 10 or 20 years, uh, I, I think the league has done a reasonably good job of uh, of, of making some smart additions and uh, making sure that they've covered situations that maybe in the past weren't really covered as well as they could have been. 
And this is not really an officiating question, but I'm just very curious because obviously we see that story break with the Ottawa Senators being exposed. And certainly, you know, when you talk to some of those old NHL legends there, they tell you lots of, you know, the world was different, I guess, back in the day where, you know, the, the teams used to fly commercial and there was a lot of, you know, you didn't have the, the air of smartphones and everything being recorded. Like, how do you see, I guess, the, the game changing in that perspective, like in terms of the players and all these stories you can gather for like for the history of the NHL and your, and your book down goes Brown history of the NHL. Like, I guess, could you, could you give us an idea of, you know, maybe the dynamic and in, in terms of how these sort of these stories are coming out here and even the roles the players have to do now of being so careful in the media? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is tough because I will tell you, you know, being here in Ottawa, uh, you know, kind of at the, the epicenter of this whole uh, situation. I have a lot of sympathy for the Senators players. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, what they were caught on film saying, uh, you know, it, it wasn't good. And, uh, you know, certainly nobody wants to be caught bad-mouthing their boss or, or somebody that they work under. But we've all done it, every single one of us. And, and you know, I'll tell you right now, if, if you had a camera on me every time I was ever uh, talking with my coworkers, uh, that that what we heard from Matthew Shane and company wouldn't rank in my top 10. So I, I have a lot of sympathy. And, and I even given, you know, I've, I've heard people kind of make the case that, well, you know, this is the modern world we live in. There's cameras everywhere and there's social media and you got to be careful. And at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, if, if you're out in public, if you're surrounded by people, yeah, you have to be careful. You have to understand that, that uh, you know, you're, you're probably on the record even if you don't want to be. But this was this was a bunch of guys sitting in the back of a cab. I, I, there has to be some expectation of privacy, and uh, you know, the, the the fact that the driver went and released that, I, I just really think is is inexcusable. And uh, you know, it's a story. Once it's out there, it, it is a story, and and it, it was something that had to be covered, uh, and it had to go in the papers, and and we had to talk about it. But I really do have a lot of sympathy for those guys because I don't think they ultimately said anything that was any worse than than what was probably said in half a dozen places around the league by by half a dozen different teams just that night alone uh let alone pretty much each and every night since then yeah and and i think that's 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 a good point and like you said not nobody's perfect nobody's an angel and i think everybody is has vented at some point and it's probably healthy to do so you don't want to have that pent up i guess there and uh i guess coming back to officiating a little bit, um, you know, I, I, I can recall, I guess, uh, you know, I think Jim Joyce is an umpire in Major League Baseball. I also remember when he, 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 I think he called the guy a runner safe at first base when a perfect game was on the line. I remember when he made that call the next day he was in front of the media cameras apologizing. And I think it really, it kind of uh, endeared him to a lot of fans. And I'm curious because in the NHL, obviously the officials don't really get that chance to do that. I mean, like we, like you talked about, there's these controversial calls sometimes. I mean, from your perspective in media, do you think there's a role in having sort of the officials have an enhanced voice at all, or is it pretty good sort of the way it is? No, you know what, I, I, I think uh, it, it would benefit the league uh, to deal with these situations a little more proactively and openly and, and you know, not... Not just in terms of making officials available to the to the, to the media. You know, I, I don't think we need to, to go as far as having those three officials sit there in front of uh, uh, you know in front of media members uh, at a press conference each and every night. Uh, but there are times where I, I think they should be made available. And, and bigger picture, I think there are times where look, officials are human, calls get missed, 
calls get blown. I think it would do the league good to be more open and honest about acknowledging that when it happens. Uh, because the, the you know the way it goes now in the NHL, it, unless it's a, a very extreme situation, uh, we always either hear nothing at all, or we hear that no, we stand by the officials; they got the call right. Uh, and and look, I mean, we, we all like it when our bosses have our backs and stand up for us. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure that those conversations behind closed doors are maybe very different, and, and the league wants to present a happy face. But the problem is, there are times where everybody's up in arms and everybody's screaming and talking about the call got blown, and it didn't. The ref was right. The ref made the right call. And the problem is today, when the league steps forward and says that, nobody pays any attention because the league says it every single time, no matter what. So it doesn't mean anything when when they defend a guy. I think it would, when you look at some of the other sports, uh, you know, the NFL in particular is a a league where if a call gets blown, they will say so. You know, you can't change the result, can't do anything about it, but they will say, yes, this call got missed, yes, that uh, that call got blown, uh, and that means that when the NFL stands up and says, no, it wasn't a blown call, and here's why the ref got it right, people accept that much more than they do from the NHL, where it just seems to be the the, the knee-jerk response every time out that, no, nothing to see here, don't worry about it. So I'd like to see a little bit more openness. Maybe that does mean occasionally having an official um, talk to the media, you know, in, in some format, you know, whether it's, you know, maybe it's just one pool reporter gets to go in and talk to the guy uh, and, and come out with some quotes and, and, you know, something like that. I really think that would help because I, I do believe that the officials get it right more often than they get credit for. I think that uh, the fans' perception uh, of how often these guys mess up is, is skewed. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that because of that, the honesty is the best policy. And and having some sunlight shine in on this, I think would help because uh, I think I think it really would show that these guys do get it right more often than they get it wrong, uh, and we can be grown ups about that and and we can be honest about it uh, rather than just seeming to want to sweep it away and make it all go away, which is the impression the NHL often gives. Yeah, and in your line of work, and I I think you you gave a really detailed explanation of sort of the, the process for for. For you know, getting that exposure and getting the you know, I guess different perspectives out there. But I'm just curious in your line of work where you're you know you're getting information out to obviously you have a big following on Twitter. You get you're you're getting information out to, to to the to the rabbit hockey world. And you know, like I say, it's it's easy enough to let's say Matt Duchesne gets a suspension. You can go up to Matt Duchesne in the locker room and get his get his thoughts on it. But at the same time, it's tough to get the other side of the coin like in, in your line of work is it a challenge in the media world in in relaying that information to get a very good picture of of i guess that other side too like i know you you touched on it but i'm just curious like from the media world as a whole is, is there a challenge there in finding that happy medium yeah there is and and you know i i'm not a guy the the, the way that i work i'm not somebody who's who's doing a lot of uh uh, game stories where I have to necessarily be looking for, for quotes and comments right in the immediate aftermath of a game. Uh, but you know, I know a lot of the guys who are and who do that, and, and it can be tough because, you know, believe it or not, the people in my line of work, we want to be fair. We really do. We want to get the story right. And so uh, the best way for us to do that is to have access to as much information as we can and as many perspectives as we can. And, uh, you know, when it becomes difficult, uh, you know, to sit down with, with somebody and say, okay, what, what happened on this play? What did you see? Uh, you know, here, you know, you've, you've heard 
the criticisms. You've heard what people are saying. You know, why are they wrong? What, what is? What are people potentially missing? And um, you know, I, I, I think that can help a lot. Uh, you know, I've certainly been in situations where uh, I've said something critical of uh, of an official uh, on a specific play, and you know, you, you don't hear anything from the league or from from those officials. But I'll hear from the amateurs. Or I'll hear from someone who'll say, "Hey, you know what? I refed in the AHL for a few years. I used to ref in the IHL. I've refed overseas." Here's what you're missing. You're, you're you're missing something important about how this was called and and how the rule book says we're supposed to approach it, and it's changed my opinion. And I've gone, okay, you know what? Yeah, you were right. I'm wrong, uh, and I got to go back and re- and revise that. Now, uh, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you see the explanation and you go, no, you know what? I'm I'm standing by my original opinion. I still think it was a missed call, but uh, you know, there are times where it opens your eyes a little bit, and and, and you know, again, I. I to some extent, I understand why the league does this approach because, you know, you put an official in front of reporters, especially someone who's not used to talking to to the media, it, it can blow up. You know, they they maybe they say something wrong, maybe they fly off the handle, and suddenly a small problem is turned into a big problem. I get that, uh, but I also feel like a whole lot of small problems would turn into uh, no problem at all if if you just let these guys explain themselves a little bit better. Because, like I say, more often than not, they turn out to be right, and we turn out to be wrong. And uh, Sean, we'll, we'll certainly let you go, but we wanted to ask you a lot, one last question before we did, and that's, I guess we could say uh, playoffs around the corner, but there's still quite a ways to go in the season. But one question that always gets asked and is always brought up in the media is officiating around playoff time. Do you think, uh, I guess, what's your perspective on, do we keep that same standard uh, throughout the entire season, playoffs, Stanley Cup finals, or do, we, or do you prefer that uh, let them play type of philosophy in the, uh, the playoffs? You know, I'm a little bit old school. I, I don't mind the let them play approach in theory. Uh, you know, I've watched playoff games where you're 10 minutes in and there have been five power plays on, on chintzy little things, and you're just kind of sitting there going, guys, like, let's let let the game breathe a little bit. You know, you, you don't have to take control and, and, and strangle the life out of the game right away. So I'm okay with letting them play to an extent. I think there have been times where that's gone too far. I, I you know, I think we've all watched games where it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a barroom brawl out there, and you get to the third period, and nobody's called any penalties at all, and then you have to call that stupid puck over the glass, and that ends up being the power play that decides the game. And you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly someone who believes that sometimes, you know, I understand referees don't want to decide the game. Sometimes not making a call is deciding the game, just like making a call is. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen some cases over the years where uh, there have been examples of that. But in general, you know, I'm actually okay with it. I, I don't necessarily want my playoff games officiated exactly the same way you'd officiate some meaningless game in the middle of November. Uh, you know, I, I think that having an understanding of some context, especially when you get late in the series, okay, has this been an ugly series? Are there certain players that are going after each other or, or, or not? Uh, have, to have maybe these two teams earned a little bit of uh, benefit of the doubt. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I, and in fact, there's, like I say, there's, there's this kind of old school aspect to me that uh, I actually sort of appreciate it when it happens and it doesn't go too far in the other direction. Yeah. And uh, Sean, like I said, really appreciate your time and giving us your, your, your knowledge here and your, your experience and certainly uh, a lot of the fun stories you've been able to, to dig up in your book, uh, The uh, Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. And for the listeners out there that are thinking about uh, checking this book out, where can they find out more information? 
You, you should be able to find the book itself pretty much anywhere that you buy books. It should be on shelves at your bookstore. Uh, definitely find it on uh, all the usual online spots, uh, Amazon and, and wherever else you can get it. Uh, it's it's a, a beautiful uh, hardcover, uh, but you can also get it as an e-book. You can even get an audio book if you'd like to listen to me read the book to you for eight hours. Uh, you have the option to do that. And uh, if, you, if you're looking for information, you can check me out on Twitter at DownGoesBrown, or you can just go to my website, DownGoesBrown.com. i got a bunch of information about the book there. I hope people check it out. I, I really think hockey fans will... Uh, uh, you know, whether you're a diehard who feels like you know most of this stuff or, or whether you're relatively new to it and, and, and trying to kind of dip your toe into the history, uh, I, I think you'll find a lot of stuff in there that's interesting and that you don't know. And uh, if you got any hockey fans on your uh, Christmas list this year, uh, this, is, this is a chance to knock off some of that shopping early. Perfect. And uh, I think uh, just from the stories you told, it sounds pretty cool. So, Sean, we'll let you go. But thank you very much for your time and uh, best of luck down the road. Excellent. Thank you very much. 